da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. For the second time in a week's time, we return to the Blade Runner universe. Here on the Mad About Movies podcast. Yes, 25 years after the original Blade Runner, 1982's cult classic by Ridley Scott. We return now to discuss the sequel, Blade Runner 2049. The movie is directed by Denis Villeneuve, shot by Roger Deakins, and it stars Ryan Gosling and the original star Blade Runner, Harrison Ford. Welcome in, everyone. It's good to be here again this evening, and it's good Yo. to be here with my co-hosts, Brian and Richard. Mm. Hey, guys. Mm. What it do? I just what it, can, what it do. Can we um can we just return to this universe every week? I'm, mm, I'm fine. With I'm okay that. with that. I'm great. Yeah. I just want to live in this universe. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, one of the one of the it. one of the better universes we have to uh, visit and revisit uh, on the show. Mm-hmm. And I just hope we never find out which of us is and is not a replicant. I like the the ambiguity. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Well, there is um. There might be plenty of time to discuss this film. Might be another twenty-five years before we get another sequel. I doubt it. Um, but this is a long, a long-awaited sequel that was debated and rumored for a long time, and there was rumors that it wasn't going to happen. Uh, most of the most of the reason being that the original Blade Runner. And by the way, we did, uh, I just referenced it, but we did do an episode on the original one. We threw back to it a couple weeks ago. If you haven't checked that out, go listen to that before this, because we're going to probably reference that mm-hmm. in the original movie several times uh, here. But it was rumored a long time that the sequel wasn't going to happen because uh, of the nature of the, the original film being a cult classic and being a, one of the more highly regarded intelligent sci-fi films that's ever been made. I mean, Star Wars is, is very high and very successful, but it's way more watered down in terms of um, art, <laughs> if you will, than uh, Blade Runner is. Uh, kind of renowned in the community and the, the filmmaking community as just this kind of art piece, this kind of masterwork of creative vision and, and originality. And uh, I think that would be something very, very difficult to um, to take on if you were to do this sequel. So the sequel happened. And um, I think Denny was the perfect person to take it over. And I'm really excited to talk about this with you guys tonight at length uh, as our movie of the week. But we do have movie rumors, rumors, rumblings, a lot of (laughs) R words uh, to discuss um, tonight. But um, I guess we can kind of go back and uh, ask Richard Barton, who wasn't able to join us last night for our breaking news episode on, um, on The Last Jedi. You saw the trailer? What are your thoughts uh, briefly on on Star Wars? I know you're all in on it, but uh, anything stick out to you? Yeah, so I was all set to break tradition and uh, actually join you guys for trailer chat, and then uh, kind of nuclear uh, bomb went off at work, and I had to had to get on that. So I'm cursed. I'll never be able to join you guys mm-hmm. for a. Uh, but one of these days, I promise. This one I was actually going to join for, and uh, but I'm still glad I didn't. Um, yeah, you're not invited, yeah. though, unfortunately. So oh, okay. that as well. Ouch. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a cool trailer. I had no idea what was going on in terms of narrative, <laughs> which is good. It didn't give hardly anything away. Um, lots of edits making goods look bads and bads look goods and and a weird staring contest. There was a weird uh, gerbil. Um, <laughs> Chewbacca has a Chewbacca now thing. <laughs> uh, so that was about it. I like the Captain Phasma 
fan-looking scene. That looked cool. The color palette was impeccable, but that was the same for Force Awakens. I just think it's a really rich-looking, in both senses of the word, uh, aesthetic thing they they have going in these Star Wars, and it's it's awesome. So, like, it has to. This would have to be really bad to not be enjoyable to watch. Much like the movie we're reviewing tonight, it's just so pretty to look at that mm-hmm. uh, it gives them a lot of runway uh, to be mediocre, which they haven't been yet. Uh, but they could be because I, I I just like looking at it so much. But uh, yeah, I'm fired up. Brian got got us uh, tickets, and uh, and it's it's good times. Yeah, we'll do that again. Well, as as is tradition on the show, we we will see Star Wars together. As one and yep. hold hands and sip and wear Star Wars <laughs> t-shirts and sip out of Captain Phasma cups and uh, mm. be there. Um, uh, let me ask you, Brian, is it an IMAX experience? It's not. It's not this time. So I'm usually, yeah, well, it's 2D this time around. Okay. What I what we've done the last couple of years is I've gone to see it uh, with my wife and some of our friends over here at like seven. the first showing available at 7 o'clock. And then I meet you guys at IMAX at like 10.30 or whatever for a second viewing for me, first viewing for you guys. Um, and then we come back to our respective homes and uh, and do a post-game show. So we'll still be doing the post-game show this year as always. But um, IMAX showings didn't work out just time-wise this time around for some reason. Because the IMAX that we typically go to... Um, that we love, and I won't name it by name because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to disparage them. But they decided this year, you know, who needs two IMAX Star Wars showings on opening night when you can when you can only have the money from one, right? Like that doesn't right. make it, that. Who would want to do two of these tremendously successful? Right, when you're charging like, a thirty bucks show. a person or whatever yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. No, no one, no one needs that. So they're only doing one, and it didn't work out time wise. So I'm going to IMAX on Friday night. Um, with some of the, the kids that I, that I work with here, I have a tradition with them as well, where I go, I would take them out on Friday night of opening night for star Wars. And so I'm going to go see that. You mean Thursday night? I, no, Thursday night, I'm just doing seven o'clock with you guys okay. and a bunch of other people. We have like, we're all spread out. There's like 15 of us. They're all spread out across the back two rows of, uh, of this theater that we're at. And then, then Friday night I'll be going to IMAX with, uh, with some of my some of my buddies, some kids, but uh, yeah, well, I imagine we'll do the post game show as always, and then we'll have, an, I believe we already have guests booked for um, the next week's like regularly scheduled episode as well. So that'll be fun too. Absolutely, I can't wait for that. And uh, again, like Brian said, we will have our episode up that next morning on that Friday mm-hmm. morning. We will um, that'll be available. So if you go see Star Wars: The Last Jedi opening night, that's that Thursday. That's People, you know, these movies come out on Friday. That's the release date. But people need to know these movies are first screened at like 6 p.m. It's the fr- <laughs> Thursday night. So you can sneak in and get uh, get a Thursday night early showing if you really uh, want to get online now and uh, and buy your tickets. By the way, Brian, how was that that buying experience for reserving these? I heard a lot. I, you know, friend of the show, Shane, uh, Batman Shane was uh, saying that. Um, I guess it was Fandango or somebody like that or IMAX.com or something like that was crashed for, or AMC, <laughs> yeah. it was AMC was crashed for like a, a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. You would think that they would anticipate these kinds of things yeah. and be prepared every, every for year. You could see it coming. Yeah, every year that, that, that stuff. I'll give a little tip, and I should have told Shane this beforehand. So the, uh, the movie times were out there for everybody except for AMC. So Cinemark 
and um, like the independent theaters around here, stuff like that. Pretty much every theater had their showtimes posted um, at least a day in advance, maybe maybe further. I don't know. And uh, at some point, they went on sale on Fandango. I was trying to get AMC, and they were not letting that happen. They weren't showing up in Fandango or MovieTickets.com or any of that stuff. And if you went to AMC's website, just straight to their website, they had like a like a holder page for uh, Last Jedi tickets, and it was just like, okay, come back whenever the trailer debuts. That happened to me last year. They're either Rogue One or, or Force Awakens. If you go in. Um, to the individual theater that you're trying to get into and then change the date at the top. It's like a workaround for some reason. Now I say this on the air and it'll get shut down next time around, but um, that's how I... So I was able to buy tickets without any problem really, I mean, early before they were really on sale just through this like dumb loophole that they have. So Uh, just a little little pro tip out there for... Hacker, man. I know, look at me. How much, how much time did you have this to spend how to, party to, to figure that out? You're like, maybe if I com- compile the algorithms correctly, I will be able to purchase. Let me consult the horse. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's the first first year for Force Awakens, it was super easy because they went on sale way before anybody thought they were going to. Just time. Like everybody's like, okay, at eight o'clock tonight, they're going to go on sale. Mm-hmm. And at like five, they went on sale on accident. Mm-hmm. Rogue One was a, was a chore for whatever reason. Like it was, there was lines and all this sort of stuff but i figured out the amc thing last year and uh was able to to exploit that exploit that once again so hey ladies (laughs) exploiting movie reservations for star wars Um, no one can defeat me (laughs) i'm all powerful big bang theory (laughs) <laughs> that is that's an entire season right there you Bazinga. Do. yeah it's way funnier too than, than big bang theory already all right i found that if you hack sheldon always talks like this weird by the way uh i put out my challenge a couple of weeks ago on um find me a funny clip from big bang theory and send it to me and um i had several people reach out to me on on the twitter and things saying i i searched and i just couldn't find one sorry well, yeah, that's what I thought. So the challenge <laughs> remains: find a funny clip, funny clip from Big Bang Theory. Send it my way, and um, I'll be proven wrong. Okay, let's um, let's talk about one thing. You were talking about movie reservations, Brian, and uh-huh. uh, we like to talk often on the show. Kind of take a step back from from being critics and kind of talk about just the movie going experience, movie industry, uh, going to theaters, and. Uh, and we do this weekly, so we have a lot of experience in this area and, and different situations. Um, but recently, we were, I guess, uh, informed of something. I knew about this a couple of years ago, but never really acted on it. Um, but I signed up for this service, MoviePass.com, mm, um, yeah. a couple of months ago. It, it went kind of viral online, This the actual service. I think they lowered their prices uh, of the service. And I'll explain what it is here in a second. So they lowered their prices, and this became kind of viral and and everybody kind of signed up a couple months ago. I wanted to wait until I had the movie pass and was able to use it and experience it before I wanted to talk on the show about it. So uh, that's the reason for this delay. But uh, so the way the service is, is it's very simple. Moviepass.com. You go there, you sign up. It's $9.99 a month. And um, they say you get to watch one movie a day in a theater for nine ninety nine a month, you could see thirty movies in a month if you want to, as long as you see only one movie a day uh, using the card. And so I was like, "Holy crap! This is yeah, it's great. This deal. is our yeah. this is our dream come true for doing the show. Mm-hmm. We see a movie a week at least, sometimes two. 
um, sometimes three if we're buying something on iTunes or whatever we're doing um, to do an episode. And so that's the main thing. And the, the reason we take donations and have ads is because we do have to spend money for the show to happen. It's not just uh, us doing it for free and putting it out for free and then we're gaining all, all the stuff. No, we actually do um, have a little bit of investment in this. And so I looked at that and said, wow, that's that might be too good to be true. Or it's only made for the people like us who see movies every week. They're the only people that they're actually going to maybe lose money on. The other people, under 99% of people who sign up will probably only see one movie a month, um, which is nine ninety nine, which is the price of a movie. So they're breaking even on the entire thing. So I was a little bit skeptical at first. I signed up. Um, there was an extreme delay because of the, the popularity of the service and how much news it got. Um, so it took two and a half months for me to get my card around. And I was flipping fed up. I was like, this is stupid. It does not take two months to fill out a card, especially when they say, all right, we're, we're, we're um, sending them out in the order in which they were received. And I was like, well, I signed up two months ago. Surely you've gotten to me by now. There can't be that there can't be a million people that have signed up for this thing. So I was skeptical. I was nervous about it. So this week I get my card in the mail and I'm very impressed with it. I take it out, and it's actually a MasterCard. Like, it's made by MasterCard. Mm. It's a credit card. It's got a credit card number. It's got my name on it like a credit card. I sign it like a credit card. And the way the app works is you go on their app, and um, it has a listing of, of theaters close to you. It has a listing of times. And you click the time that I want to see. Say I want to see a movie at 530. I click 530. I click check in. And then it says you have been checked into this movie. And then you go to the movie. You buy the ticket with the movie pass credit card as if you would a normal credit card, and uh, it prints out and you go into the theater. So I was skeptical about this. I was like, this can't work. There's going to be some kind of error or something. But there is a catch. You have to be within 100 yards of the theater. Oh, so you have to be pretty gosh. much at, has to be pretty much at the theater or so within stupid. GPS range. Um, I literally live next a uh, block away from a from a Cinemark, so I can do it from my house and it's no big deal. Um, but I could see how that would be a problem and you have to do it within 30 minutes of being there. So you can't be an hour away, check in and then drive there and do oh. it. So you have to be within a wind, a certain window of doing it. And, um, so I was within that window, did it and I was shocked. The ticket printed and I went in and, you know, I had only swiped my movie pass card to gain entry. So I was pretty impressed with that. Um, but the catch is if you don't do the 30 minutes, then it'll decline your card and there's this whole hassle and everything. So if you're willing, all that to say, if you're willing to put up with that, with having to be close to the theater and uh, having to check in 30 minutes beforehand, and there is another catch, it's only standard screenings, no XD and no 3D. So uh, you get a standard movie screening, um, $9.99 a month, unlimited. Um, I know that us four or us three are going to get um, complete use out of that, and it'll be well worth our money to do $9.99 a month. I just wanted y'all's thoughts on kind of the general public, whether you think this is a, a business model that can actually thrive. Um, I think it's kind of kind of genius for the theaters because, again, you have to be there within 30 minutes. So really all they're selling is is extra seats that would end up being empty, uh, you know, if no one else claims them. We're basically claiming empty seats at that point when you're 30 minutes away and um, and you're using the MoviePass service. The, ticket, the, the theater's not really getting anything. They're hoping you're going to buy concessions. They're hoping you're going to bring somebody that's going to – pay for a ticket, things like that. So there is sort of a little bit of incentive for the theaters to do this, but uh, what are y'all's thoughts on MoviePass? And uh, Brian, I think you gave it a try a couple years ago, maybe gave it up or what? Yeah. 
I had it. I had Movie Pass in its infancy. Um, I don't remember what year that was. Maybe it was pre podcast. Maybe two thousand eleven or two thousand twelve. Because I think Richard, I think you were. I feel like you were at um, at E Track yeah. when that was. Because I remember talking to you about. Rip. The, yeah, RIP. Because uh, I remember talking to you about the corn dog like track, the, the GPS <laughs> part of that. And it was a, it was awful. Like I just had a miserable experience yeah. with it. And to be fair, again, like it wasn't ready for market at that time. They, they really shouldn't have, they probably shouldn't have launched it when they did. Um, I think I was paying fourteen ninety nine a month. Yeah, but it they, might, they lowered it might, the price to nine ninety nine. Right. That's why they got so much news. Right. It may have been nineteen ninety nine. I don't remember, but it was the same thing. It was just like I'm going to go see a bunch of movies, so this makes sense for me. The GPS thing sucks. Like that. I don't understand sucks. why that. Why that? I guarantee. Well, I so, so people there. can't I mean, go. That's, that's that's the theaters. That's not the tech. Right. The theaters. Yes. Hundred percent. The theaters yeah. demand that from the from the company in order to. Service yeah. the, they the they do it because- so that we can't go and book New York City theater right now from Texas, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, no, half and of that. it's so that you're not buying tickets for other people because you have unlimited. So you have mm-hmm. to. They want you to be the reason they want you close to the theater because if you're if you're not gonna if I have movie pass and Brian does it and he's like, hey man, can I use your movie pass to go see mm-hmm. X Men? I'm not gonna drive to a hundred yards of the theater, purchase it so that he can go in. Right. Um, so they want. They want people, they want you going to your, they want the people that have the service. It's another layer of protection along with the card. So I don't just mm-hmm. pass the card to all my friends and have them go do it. Right. So it's and, just an extra layer of security that the theaters are, but I'm sure the company would love to get rid of the GPS portion of it, but I'm sure it's right. contingent on that. Yeah. Yeah. And I imagine yeah. it, it had to have gotten better since then. Cause that was, that was a big part of my issue is the GPS technology just like it just it it wasn't there at the time or their version of it wasn't there and so i would be sitting in the theater or in the parking lot for the theater and it would just be like you're 2 miles away you still have to and so i would just like i would end up driving around trying to find a spot like just staring at my phone driving horribly unsafe and then finally be like oh now i'm at the theater and you were drunk yeah, so well, if I was going to see a movie in the middle of the day. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't but, uh, even drink your whiskey while you were holding your phone. Yeah, it was like, gosh, really, like, a, you got to make a choice here, you know? It's a major, major hindrance. <laughs> but yeah, I, I remember, because and at that time, you couldn't use it at certain theaters. So there was only certain movie or uh, brands that would work. So, like, y'all know Fossil Creek Theater over off of uh, Old School. Of 35. I, I yeah. saw I would, the, the would, Lost World there when I was little. I remember <laughs> nice, it vividly. Yeah. That was the theater of my youth, but I, it's not so great now. But I would have to go there because it, I couldn't use it at like the ones that I would typically go to. So I would drive over mm-hmm. there. And I would be like at the wing stop a mile away before the GPS would kick in. And they'd be like, okay, now, now I can buy it. And then sometimes it still wouldn't work. And it just, it's, mm, the GPS is a, is a problem. Now at 10 bucks a month, I, I start to feel like that that's worth it for us. I just don't see how it's going to, I don't know how it's going to take off with mass audiences. If you still can only buy it, you know, whatever, 30 minutes in advance and you have to be at the theater and you can only buy, buy one ticket and all that sort of stuff. Like it's useless. If my wife went with me, if Lindsay went with me to every movie that I saw for the podcast alone, let alone the ones I see outside of this, it would be worthless or we'd have to get two memberships. And you know what I mean? It just, it becomes a completely different animal. Mm-hmm. It's, it really is almost only for people like us who are going to go to the, the movies at least three or four times a month. Or like maybe if you live in California and, any movie is going to cost you twelve to fifteen dollars. Then maybe that becomes 
worth it just based on like, well, I'm going to go once a month. I don't know, but it's I, it, that frustrates me. And I, yeah. I get it. I understand why it, it is the way it is. Richard, you're totally right. It's just that I think that seriously hinders the um, possibilities of what you can do with that service and how, yeah. how well it could take over. I think that it, the, the idea is, is a smart idea and, and, Old, and I said this back when I had it previously in, in you know, four or five years ago. I think the, I don't know, the iteration of this that actually works is for theaters themselves to sell that kind of a membership and say, yeah. okay, 20 bucks a AMC month. AMC did that, didn't they? Yeah, they've done sim- – they, AMC had stubs, but that's just basically discounts. That was just There's, rewards. There was some yeah, kind of exactly. movie pass system with some theater. I remember because you know, a listener was telling a, us about it a couple of years ago, right. and we were just like, no, nah, we're good. We don't like that theater yeah. or something. I don't know right, what it exactly, was. Exactly, yeah. Or, but it hasn't taken off with the bigger theaters. You've seen them do it with like – cups you know like you can get you buy this cup. So, souvenir cup and you'll be able the to cup refill commemorative it. cup yeah exactly it's a red solo cup um it has multiple mm-hmm. oscars and so uh that's worth it just for but i i think that's where this could be successful is if like i go to the rave near our near my house for yeah, most movies yeah because i like to party as we've established with my cool amc uh star wars hack but <laughs> that's where i typically go for podcast movies because it's like two miles from my house and i can go there in the middle of the day and and get a ticket or whatever if if the rave offered me you know whatever 10 bucks 15 bucks 20 bucks a month to same deal you can come watch one movie a day every day this month if you want to um, I'm in because the deal is they get me in the door and then ultimately I'm going to end up buying a soda or a hot dog or popcorn or whatever. And then they bank on that sort of stuff. I think that makes a lot of sense. This, this stuff with movie, I'm still skeptical as to whether this particular iteration is going to like change the market the way that they seem to think it's going to. One other catch that they have here that I didn't mention is the actual app that you download. Whenever you get your card, you have to enter the last four digits of the card to be able to use the app. So I can't just give my card to somebody across Mm. town and say, here, take this, you know, for the the weekend. Like you have to actually have the the smartphone that you activated the card on to check in. So it's like, I I have to give somebody my, my cell phone too, in order to go do that. Um, So there's some fail safes there. And, and I completely understand that because as movie pass, this is a hard sell to theaters, right? Hey, let Mm -hmm. people just kind of walk in your theater and not pay you money directly and come see your movies, you know, like that's a hard sell. So the fact that they got the Cinemarks, the AMCs, everybody else to to sign on to do this, to agree to do it, is really cool. And I was surprised when I opened the app how many theaters around me were were um, available. Some of them actually have where you can um, you can check in online, like you don't have to be there. I think only certain theaters have that and and only certain theaters have the ability for you to reserve a seat, which you do have the option to do with MoviePass. So again, for people like us, this is great. Um, I'm not ready to fully endorse the product because I've only used it um, a couple times. So I need to give it a six-month experience or something like that. Um, Maybe we can uh, work something out, hint, hint, uh, MoviePass.com to to pump it up a little bit more. But um, yeah, I thought I'll, it was cool. I'll retract all the negative things I just said. If yeah, become, if they want to pay us uh, to about talk about it, that'd be great. By yeah. movie pass, yeah. <laughs> we're we're open uh, to it. Yeah, we'll um, erase this episode. Yeah. <laughs> again, like I said, where they're going to make their money here? It's the same. It's the same thing as a gym membership, right? 
oh wow, fourteen bucks a month right. to go to right. the gym whenever I want for however long I want. That sounds great. And you go once a month, if that, and uh, you forget about it, and you're paying, and they're banking on that type of stuff. So um, right. right. So yeah, it, you know. We'll see if this thing lasts. I don't know. But for right now, I'm taking full advantage of this. I'm probably going to see a movie tomorrow and then the day after. Like, I'm I'm really excited that I get to go back and go see Kingsman. I get to go see mm-hmm. some smaller movies maybe that I haven't got to see yet. I get to go rewatch um, Dunkirk or something like that. I'm, I'm excited for that um, possibility. But this is great for people who see movies on Tuesdays, you know, like in the afternoon that we're close to a theater. It's perfect. I don't think it's going to be great for star Wars to go see it on premiere night. I don't think you're going to be able to walk up to the theater within 30 minutes and get your seat and be fine. Um, but this is great for being able to just kind of catch up and, uh, and casually watch movies. So movie pass, it still, uh, remains to be seen. So I have two notes here, um, to mention before we move on and talk blade runner at length. Uh, the first of those being some sequel news. Actually, both of these are sequel news. The first of those, Pacific Rim 2 trailer debut. Uh, I haven't talked about this. I was a Pacific Rim fan. Thought it was a really fun universe. Didn't take itself too seriously, but still had some great action, some great characters. And uh, it was something that I wanted more of. I Who doesn't want more robots fighting giant kaiju? Uh, that was cool <laughs> to me, and I thought there was more to explore there. Pacific Rim Uprising seems like a big, giant, bloated sequel. Way too many characters, way too many robots, uh, way too many kaiju. But I can't freaking wait because uh, this is a popcorn <laughs> movie, and I'm just excited for uh, just the lighthearted nature of the entire thing. I really like this. And John Boyega is on board this time, I'm assuming, or I think he's playing the son of Idris Elba's character or something like that here. And uh, there are some returning characters, Charlie Day's back. Um so looking forward to this, I believe it comes out this March. Did you guys see the uh, trailer for this? Um, I saw it actually in the in the theater for Blade Runner too as well. So I got to see it in the theater. Really cool mm-hmm. experience. Uh, Guillermo del Toro is not at the helm directing this, I don't think. So um, different there, but still, nonetheless, uh, could be really cool. What do you? Would you see it, Brian? I did. I saw it at the theater for uh, for Blade Runner. So um, yeah, I mean, I do think it looks a little uh, i wasn't as high on on the original pacific rim as you were i thought it was totally fun and fine and that was great but i prefer godzilla i guess but uh i do think this looks a little transformery so that doesn't i i don't know like i'll see it even if we didn't do a podcast on it i'll see it it looks entertaining maybe it's smarter transformers or more fun transformers or at least not four and a half hours long transformers maybe like i would settle for that but um it doesn't look like it has you know i'm not the biggest del toro fan either but uh, you can i think you can tell uh to just i don't know you can tell a difference just in the um overall like the aesthetics and Mm -hmm. the the point (laughs) like what they're moving towards in in original pacific rim i think looks a little bit different than what we're getting in uh in this film so i you know it could be fun and i'm I'm not against it by any means, but I definitely don't, I don't know that this is going to be the sequel that people who loved the original Pacific Rim are, are going to be really looking, getting excited about. So I don't know. How about you, RB? Yeah, I same, you know, it's, it's a big trailer. I, I, with these kind of movies, it's hard to tell what's, you know, this might be a a highlight film of a trailer. Uh, Uh, so, uh, you don't really know 
what uh, you know if if that if that's just going to be the whole movie or the cool shots in the trailer. You don't know if there'll be a good narrative there that kind of brings it, and and you don't you know I don't really know anything about the director, so who knows what's to come. But uh, yeah, it's a cool universe. I I could see this. Uh, I think it'll make a lot of money overseas. I could see it being a pretty sizable domestic flop, though. I don't know how much money this mm-hmm. costs, but mm-hmm. I could well, the first see one it was a domestic like, flop too. Yeah, technically, but I could see this one doing worse because that that one didn't have a huge audience, built-in audience. It hasn't really. It should have become a big cable movie, but it really hasn't. I could see this really. I think it'll make money because of the overseas market, but mm-hmm. you know, it could be one that kind of comes and goes here without us really noticing. I think uh, the last Jedi will help. Uh, I think John Boyega is a way bigger star than Charlie Hunnam was at the time of How Pacific, dare Rim, you? Pacific Rim coming out. I'm sorry to the Sons of Anarchy fans, all seven <laughs> of you a, out there that are, yeah. that are getting uh, – so it has that going for it. Um, I'm surprised it got to this point. I didn't think it would ever get a sequel. When it first came out I'm, – I'm, go back and listen to our episode on it. I said, yeah, this didn't make any money this weekend. It's not going to get a sequel, but I thought it was really fun, and it has that kind of culty, pulpy vibe to it. Um, B movie monster movie vibe, and uh, I really enjoyed that. So, fingers crossed for the sequel. I don't think it's going to match the original. Sequels rarely do. Um, but I'm excited to see where they go with that. So, Pacific Rim Uprising uh, coming soon. Uh, the other sequel note that I had is Sly Stallone confirmed today hey, that hey. he is returning to the Rocky universe and will be directing. Uh, Creed 2, starring Michael B. Jordan and Scott's dad as um, Apollo Creed's son. All right. So, can't wait. Y'all we'll are miss so Kubler, kinda, Yeah, we'll miss, we'll miss the director. Yeah. Uh, yeah, big I, time. I really liked uh, the way it was directed. Gosh. Um, yeah. Creed. It was, it was gorgeous and epic and everything. I loved it. Um, I have faith in Sly. Whenever we doubt Sly, he always turns it around, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, Sly can't. Can't do that. And then he just pulls an Oscar worthy performance out of Creed, you know, that movie <laughs> as Rocky Balboa Gosh. in his time, yeah. you know, it was, yeah. it was shocking. Gosh. So leave it. I love that movie so much. Oh, I I'm going to go back and watch it. I don't think I've seen it since the, since I originally no. saw it. I'm going to go back. I've probably and watch seen it. it a dozen times. It's so freaking good. It was, it's great. Um, so y'all excited for Creed two. Should there be a Creed two? Sure. Why not? Yeah. Let's keep it going. Yeah. Absolutely. Jordan rules. So mm-hmm. yeah, it does. Um, so I don't know a release date on that. I think 2020, they said something like that. Um, but regardless, Creed two is happening and all is good in, uh, the man fam. Okay. Right, right now that's slotted for next year. I, I would Ooh. kind of expect that gets bumped to 2019 before it's all said and done, but yes. And, and there's a rumor going around. I don't know if you'd seen this, but, there's a rumor that Dolph Lundgren is coming back as as wow. Drago, so it might be it might be Adonis Jordan, a Johnson, excuse me, again. Adonis Jordan used to play for Kansas basketball in the mid '90s uh, against uh, against Drago's son. So pretty pretty exciting. Yeah, that's official. Slide oh. on Instagram a few weeks ago. Yeah, before you announced he was a director, he was just like mm. producing. It. He Let's announced it. that. So, but I don't know Let's if it's get it. Yeah. I know it's Christoph Porzingis though, so I don't know. <laughs> like who's who's playing Mister T's kid? That's what I want to know. <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on. It's that, it's that kid from Role Models is playing Mister T's kid. <laughs> kid was funny. It's a uh, huge comeback. For whatever that kid's name was, Role Models, Gosh, Bobby something. 
I haven't uh, thought about role models in, since it came out. Underrated. <laughs> underrated movie. Yeah, McLovin. All right, uh, let's move on. Or oh, that's Sean William Scott randomly in that. Like, hey, remember this guy? I, I celebrate remember all Stifler movies. Yeah, so, um, the entire collection on Blu-ray. All right, let's move on. Take a quick break here. Come back and talk Blade Runner. Boom. Hey guys, Kent here on behalf of ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring, or do you know somebody who's looking to fill a job? What if hiring could be easier, more streamlined, less time-consuming? With ZipRecruiter. You can post your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click. Then, ZipRecruiter puts its smart matching technology to work, actively notifying qualified candidates about your job within minutes so you receive the best possible matches. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other hiring sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on the right candidates finding you. It finds them. No wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get quality candidates in just one day. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by growing businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results by going for free now. Post your job for free. Yes, right now. ZipRecruiter.com slash Matt. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Matt. Try it for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Matt. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. We are joined by a guest, as a matter of fact, tonight to discuss Blade Runner 2049. We welcome to the show MamFam member, VIP, maybe? VIP member? Uh, Tim Fisher. Hey, Tim, what's up? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing great. Uh, right off the top, any relation to Bobby Fisher? <laughs> um, I wish, but no. Unfortunately, no. I'm horrible at chess. I'm more of a checkers guy. So. Oh, okay. Well, it's been great. Uh, we'll see you later. <laughs> and uh, you've been a great guest, but uh, no. Um, so, Tim has been... A great listener for a while, emailed us a lot of great thoughts, and um, been awesome. So uh, here he is as a member of the Mad About Movies podcast, at least for one episode. Um, Blade Runner. Tim, why did you pick Blade Runner? Um, well, I, I really do enjoy this director, his past movies. I think he's he's really talented. Um, I saw the original Blade Runner uh, you know, back maybe 10 years ago, and I really liked it. And also, I was trying to decide, and one of my buddies, like, between this and other movies to choose, and one of my friends said, when in doubt, gosling it out. Yeah, <laughs> true. You can't go wrong That's with that. That's my mom. He read your back tattoo, Brian, also. He did. He did. He, <laughs> cool. He's very familiar cool. with the end. So, yep. Uh, that is... Uh, Patent pending on that statement, by the way. That's a good, <laughs> good, good thing to live by. Um, let me ask you, are you actually inside a typewriter right now? Sounds a little bit uh, like you're... Are you repairing a bicycle, perhaps, or something like that uh, in your... Where do you live? Where are you from? Okay, I'm from Pittsburgh, and actually cool. I am in my car because my apartment gets horrible reception, so I'm actually in, the, uh, in my oh, car. I was close yeah, with the bicycle. Right yeah. You were. You got the transportation part down. So <laughs> I did. I can sense transportation through audio. It's a really weird kind of thing uh, that I got. Um, yeah. So It's the worst superpower, but it's, it, yeah, it's, it's really, coming handy a few times. <laughs> really kind of weird i yeah i got my got my power and that was it so it's about as useful as growing your fingernails um okay so while we're doing this podcast i'm gonna call the police department down where tim lives and report some suspicious activity taking place in the car and see how this how this podcast plays out for the rest of the night so just be nice. ready for that tim. very good this was a, a much much anticipated film uh some people have been waiting tw- 25 years for this film to come out and a lot a lot a lot of anticipation for it 
I didn't personally expect this to be almost three hours long. Um, it was, it was two hours, 44 minutes, I believe something like that. And just right off the top here, uh, I thought this was a work of art. I thought it was a, a fantastic, uh, visual experience. I, I guess that's what I can say. Um, it wasn't what I necessarily expected in terms of plot, narrative, action, things like that. Um, but it was definitely a totally visceral, out-of-body experience watching this film. And I guess that's all I really care about in Blade Runner, right? Uh, we, we, when we threw back to Blade Runner 1982 uh, a couple of days ago, we talked about what makes Blade Runner Blade Runner, right? What makes this so different than every other science fiction film that had come before it and that has come since? And what we decided was what differentiated it was the atmosphere, how much Ridley Scott focused on the surroundings, on the, the buildings, on the people, on the costumes, on, on uh, the city life. Cool on computers. Every, yeah, on everything <laughs> aside from our characters. And we're not just necessarily following our characters down the street. Our characters are walking down the street, and we get to see everything that that street has to offer. And, we, and when our character goes into a shop, we're going to stay out in the street for another couple seconds just to kind of see what city life is like, right? Uh, I totally got that with this film. Denny totally understood that. And this is just, it's basically two hours of atmosphere and about 40 minutes of movie. I think they definitely, yes. if they mm -hmm. really wanted to in the edit bay, they could have crunched this thing down to a 90 minute film and it would have had the same plot. We would have been asking the same questions about these characters coming out of it. Um, but I really appreciate him not rushing this, taking his time, doing um doing it justice having the scale that it has and i thought uh it met my expectation as far as that now as far as plot that's a different story and i'm excited to mm -hmm. talk about that but uh brian initial thoughts mm -hmm. on 2049 i'm only um, calling it that because ryan gosling called it that and i, well, I want to say 2049 if yeah. it's 2049, I'm sure he was specifically told to promote it like that. Okay. So Blade Runner 2049. If it's good enough for the gods, it's, yeah, it's good enough it, for me. Exactly. Um, yeah. God, this when is, in doubt, gauze it out. <laughs> that's right. right. That's right. TM. Um, yeah, this is an interesting, it's an interesting movie. I, I'll, I'll say up front, I, I love it. Um, it's kind of the opposite of Kingsman. Richard, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, you and I. That's a movie that I, we were, I don't remember your grade on that, but we were, I don't know, C plus, B minus, somewhere in that range. So not particularly great review, but um, if someone was to, to ask you, you know, should I go see Kingsman? And you're like, yeah, sure, totally. This, this is totally good. This is kind of the opposite for me. It's I, I talked to two or three friends today asking, uh, hey, how was Blade Runner? Should I go see it? And And my response to all of them was like, Hey, I I love it. It's really good. Um, but it may not be it may not be for you. Like this just may not be a movie that it's not a movie that you can just walk out on the street and be like, hey, everyone, go see Blade Runner twenty four thousand Excuse me, Ryan Gosling. Um, it's it's there's a lot, and it, that's part of the. It's been interesting watching the um like the tracking and the articles and and whatnot that come out of how it's done at the box office and whatnot the. To me, the idea that that this has bombed is is pretty strange because I would have never, I would have never pegged this as a movie that should have been 
expected to make $50 million or $60 million or whatever it's opening weekend. There was no way. It's a, it's a high-minded science fiction cult movie based on another cult movie that also wasn't um, successful at the box office. And by the way, it's three hours long. So there was – I don't know. Like I, I didn't understand the – I don't know, the pregame talk of suggestions that this could get up into the $50 million range. I think $30 million, $32 million is, a, is spot on for what this should have expected to to make. And, you know, its budget at $150 million, it's doing pretty well overseas. I don't know that this is going to be profitable. I think this was, as much as anything, I think this was um, Warner Brothers wanting to be in the, in the dance business you know as much as anything else and so it's an interesting movie to talk about because um we try really hard here to kind of find the balance between um like really over the top how you know crazy um you know film critics like very serious film criticism and uh and just mass audience fair and so this is like this is that kind of movie that sits right in the kind of sitting that straddles the fence i guess of what do you you know what is it how do you how do you um how do you recommend it and how do you how does it find an audience and what do you how do you suggest it and stuff like that so um all all that to say i i love the movie it's going to be uh, this is going to be one of my you know definitely i would i would assume is going to be in my top 10 of the year and, and probably probably much higher um but i'm not sure that it's ever going to be one that uh, that that everybody can enjoy and and agree on its uh its quality so that's a very long-winded way to to say that but um yeah it's it's i visually was incredible and i i i loved the ride and i'm happy to have sat there for three hours um but i you know i, I would not have brought just anyone into the right theater to to see it I you're right. You're absolutely right you you have to know what you're getting yourself into you have to be willing to to take that ride you have to be, uh, first of all, kind of familiar with with the tone of Blade Runner. I don't think most people coming into this looking for Star Wars would be probably pretty shocked. Um, in fact, I was in the theater and there was a girl sitting on my row and she left the theater once to go get popcorn, left the theater another time to go get a drink. And within about 20 minutes left in the movie, she was out. Like, she left. Mm-hmm. I, I think she probably wow. gave it a couple of chances and was like, I'm still not getting this. I uh, love Ryan Gosling or whatever, whatever reason she was there, but she obviously wasn't there because she was super into Blade Runner or else she would have stayed till the end of the film. Um, but it's just kind of interesting to see how the general public reacted to this. I'm with you, Brian. I didn't think it would make that much money. I thought it would win the weekend. I didn't think it would make as little as $30 million. I thought it would make 40, 45, just because Ryan mm-hmm. Gosling is the biggest deal right now. And there's nothing else out at all except for it, which is uh, everybody's seen at this point. Uh, but it was a, it was a slow weekend and it made thirty million. I don't know if that'll uh, that will be enough to get it a sequel, but we shall see. Um, Tim, you're next in line. General thoughts, spoiler free on Blade Runner, Blade Runner two thousand forty nine. Okay, well I'm gonna echo a lot of what you guys said. I thought it was gorgeous. Um, I, I thought the colors, the buildings, the score, the just the world they built was like really really beautiful. Great to watch. Um, I thought the acting was was really good, especially from well, Gosling. I guess we're mentioning name his name a lot, but he was he was superb. Um, writing was good, the themes were good, uh, everything was really really top notch. And I'm like you guys, I'm kind of surprised it didn't make as much money as it did. But you're absolutely right; is it's, it's not for everyone. It's really long, 
it's kind of slow paced. And like, for example, I went with my roommate and his girlfriend and she had just taken a Benadryl and she was asleep maybe an hour. <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> Benadryl. <laughs> I know, it was, it was a bad combination. It's my pregame <laughs> drug of choice. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We'll exactly. just take an Ambien and go see Blade Runner. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that is funny. So poor choice, but you know that's what I thought. Kind of a beautiful movie, um, but definitely not for everyone. I, I completely agree with that sentiment. Yeah, Richard. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a, you know, it's it's a tough one for me. I was pretty pumped for this. This was, you could tell from the, from the uh, trailers that it was going to be aesthetically, uh, really really beautiful and and all that i love roger deakins i can watch roger deakins shoot mm-hmm. anything and and be and be entertained i was certainly entertained gosling board and all that i'm starting to think brian that that denny might be my uh might be my fincher what fincher mm, is too okay. I, I i totally get it i respect it i thought sicario especially was very good i didn't love arrival and i didn't love this and i from a technical t- standpoint, I get it, but it does not move me in any sort of way. It doesn't really interest me intellectually either. I just find it uh, kind of um, at least like philosophically kind of paint by numbers a lot of time. I don't know. I just feel like he his he he can he's a, he's an incredible filmmaker, and I certainly understand wanting to be in his business. Uh, and I think if he can make more grounded things like Sicario, I'm a little more interested in him. But the minute he goes to space, some people aren't just made for space to me. And uh, and this is uh, this is this this certainly was that I was I, it was it was just incredibly slow paced, which I, I, I know going in it's Blade Runner. It's not going to be um, little mini battles going on in a fun pace and a theme park ride. It's going to be. Uh, a little more intellectual. It's going to be talking. It's go, yeah, talky or 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 brooding mm-hmm. or these things. Yeah. I know it's going to be that, but it was like it was kind of heavy handed in those. I just didn't feel like it pulled it off that well. I was pretty this, and I should say again, I didn't think this was a bad movie, but I expected to think this was one in my top three of the year. So I came out very disappointed in this movie, which is sort mm-hmm. of making me feel, uh, making me f- give it a sounds like I'm giving a worse grade than I will end up giving it because it's very good, mm-hmm. but uh, mm-hmm. but it was it didn't move me. I'm I'm starting to I and, and I think the problems with me obviously because everyone everyone loves Denny. Yeah, I I uh, I agree with you, Richard, in the fact that you say it didn't move you. Um, I wasn't emotionally into a lot of this. Um, I wasn't emotionally and invested in it. Um, but I was. And it's cold. I, I was, get it. It's supposed to be on some right. level, but I was again just kind of a fly on the wall experiencing this world. Uh, I think that's what this movie really is. Okay. For example, um, this isn't spoilery, uh, yet, but, uh, say in a normal movie, a normal science fiction movie is like, uh, you know, guy gets out of car, guy walks into bar, guy has bar fight, guy leaves, right? Um, the Blade Runner 2049 version of that is guy gets out of car, Guy walks into bar for four and a half minutes. Guy gets in fight. Guy leaves bar for four and a half minutes. Like the the most mundane, simple things getting from point A to point B in the plot. For example, uh, Gosling walking around the the Las Vegas place. Uh, I mean, it felt like it took 15 minutes for him to just walk into a building and meet somebody Mm -hmm. or talk to somebody. 
And that's fine. Uh, like I said, that, that's that's what stuck out about Blade Runner was that they do focus on on the the macro instead of the micro, and that um, he nailed that here. I, I I totally agree with Denny saying uh, he was under immense pressure uh, to make this, and the, the prospect of a new film. He, he says this is a quote. Uh, he says, "I know that every single fan will walk into the theater with a baseball bat." I'm aware of that, and I respect that, and it's okay with me because it's art. Art is risk. I have to take risks. It's going to be the biggest risk of my life, but I'm okay with it. For me, it's very exciting. It's just so inspiring. I'm so inspired. I've been dreaming of doing sci-fi since I was 10. I said, I've said no to a lot of sequels. I could have said no to Blade Runner. I love it too much. So I said, all right, mm-hmm. I'll do everything I can to make it great. So this, for, for me, this is more about respecting the original film not trying to step on its toes at all, not trying to right any wrongs that Ridley Scott uh, made or not trying to correct any plot holes that you would think were in Blade Runner. This is more about, okay, Denny, what would you do in this universe? And uh, what, what is this universe like 30 years later? And to me, that's just what this movie is. It's three hours of what is Blade Runner like 30 years later? More than is it going to... Um, tell us everything we need to know about Deckard and his future and past and everything like that? Probably not. Um, the fact that Harrison Ford's even in this is uh, basically the only connection to the original films, right? I, mm-hmm. I, I went on the record saying in our Blade Runner episode, I believe, I would have been fine with this film as Ryan Gosling in Blade Runner, and that's it, and he's a, he's a Blade Runner, and he's doing his thing. I, I don't even care about Deckard anymore in this universe. We, we're done with that. But, I mean, two hours into the film and we still had no Harrison Ford, I was like, I'm fine with this. I'm cool with Gosling. I'm cool with everything that's happening right now. I don't even need Harrison Ford in this movie. And then when he showed up, it was great. And so it made it that much better. But um, I just think that this could have been – it could stand on its own without the, the real attachment or, or trying to, to make its plot directly correlated with, uh, with the original. What did you think about that, uh, Brian, in, in terms of it? I guess moving forward with the plot of the original, I didn't feel like it did that at all, really too much at all. I mean, it it, it mentions it; it's inspired by it. Of course, there are characters that are the same, and there and uh, the the main plot of the movie revolves deck is is revolving um, mm-hmm. Deckard. Mm-hmm. I won't I won't deny that. I won't say that he has nothing to do. There's no point in him being in this movie. But uh, I think this universe stands alone. Uh, it's not um, it's not Star Trek where you have to see the Enterprise, for it to be Star Trek, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I think this mm-hmm. is just a totally original universe that he's created, and I loved what Denny did here. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm I'm kind, I'm kind, a little torn on that. Like, I, um, I loved pro- the first, before Harrison Ford shows up, that's, honestly, that's my favorite chunk of the movie. I love, uh, I, I, I found myself really gravitating towards this world and this universe and and seeing um gosling operate within that world uh and so you know kind of what you're you guys have all talked about to this point is is just the the scenery and uh the slow burn of it all i i i love that part i love personally really um got what was being done there and enjoyed it and then i really loved the last I don't know, 30 minutes or so. There's like a, a small chunk in the middle, the setup when uh, Kay, when Gosling or Joe or whatever, when, Co- when Gosling's character finally comes in contact with Deckard 
and uh, and kind of builds out the relationship there. It, that's the low point of the movie to me, and I would never have guessed that going in. Like mm-hmm. I, I did, I thought about that when I was watching it, can't because I remember you kind of saying previously that you almost wish that this, you know, didn't involve mm-hmm. uh, Deckard at all. And I would have thought, I would have not thought that coming in, but in the movie, um, I definitely, I definitely felt that way. And uh, I'm not sure what that. Honestly, I don't know what that says or what that really means for the film as a whole. I think you maybe had to have Harrison Ford in order to get this movie funded um, and to to make it happen. And I think actually, I mean, I think Denny did a good job of using that character and connecting those dots. Just in hindsight, if you made this movie two hours long and it was uh budgeted a you know 120 million instead of 150 million and it was just gosling as the 2049 version of a blade runner i i don't i'm not total i'm not sure that that doesn't end up being better and i'm saying that as somebody who's going to grade this out extremely high and 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 really love the movie so i don't know it's it's a i'm i'm kind of torn on that of how uh, how I feel as, as regards to like what do we what could we have done to to make that better or how could we have involved Harrison Ford more or how could the connection could have been built a little bit but I definitely distinctly um, appreciated the the world building and the silence and the slow build and all that that takes place leading up to Deckard coming on the scene. Uh, more than I did once we actually got to that point. Now, again, later, I'm, I'm, I was totally there. You, I think you said Kent, and maybe you as well, Richard, that that you weren't um, emotionally connected to what was happening, and I was. And I don't know if that's just coming from, um, you know, a, the standpoint of like of of a father uh, or or not. But it, I was there, and I got it. But there was like, there's a break somewhere in there where it just, it did start to feel like. We're just pulling the string to get to the next plot point or the next mm. uh, development that's going to take place that I'm probably going to be more interested in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I say emotionally invested. I mean, it's not like – I don't know what comparison I can make here. It's not like seeing Luke Skywalker for the first time in 30 years, like seeing that. It didn't pull back those heartstrings. It didn't have that emotional weight of – it did this is me. really that, something yeah. that needs to be addressed now, and this is a miracle of cinema that this is even happening. Uh, like I said, I'm, Blade Runner is a great universe that I would love to explore further. The fact that Harrison Ford was involved is just icing on the cake. And again, you're right. It probably probably had to be involved for this to even get made. Um, mm-hmm. So, that plot. Shall we go there? Uh, the main... I guess we should go to spoilers now. Spoilers coming up right now for Blade Runner 2049. Go see it. Come back in three hours and start here if you haven't seen it, because we will spoil it from here on out. So, Blade Runner, the original, kind of dealt with somebody who thought they were human, maybe realizing that they could be a replicant, and uh, that's kind of the same thing here, right? It's it's mm-hmm. about self identity. It's about uh, history. It's about your own origin, your own upbringing. Uh, what is human? And what is emotion? What are memories? What is manufactured? What is real? Is love? 
a true emotion or can love be manufactured, right? Uh, there's so much here. I, my favorite part of the film, and I, I think Richard could, could probably have the same opinion, is I loved the stuff that they did with Joy and the AI and Gosling and her falling in love and with the hologram and everything. I just thought that was... I want to see a whole movie on that. I want to see her mm. with Denny and those two characters, right? I want to see what that relationship could be or or what that was like when it was forming, right? Uh, it's like we're, we mm. jump in after they've already form this relationship but i mean the entire sequence of gosling going to his apartment and then he's cooking his meal and then they have that whole like hologram setup and then he um i actually have the word uh written down in my notes of the device that they use to uh emanator that's what it was called uh mm-hmm. for her to be able to walk around wherever right not just be confined to this setup that's in the house uh this is taking siri to the ultimate next level the fact that she's telling him, did you know this song came out in 1964 and was released on Reprise Records? You know that line? Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's how I see the future being, right? These AIs that we have are spewing out useless information like Siri, just in random conversation, right? Uh, I thought that was super realistic. I loved that entire sequence of events with Joy and Kay together. And then um, Joy obviously is... Uh, reminiscent or uh, pays homage, not pays homage, but is referencing the emotion of joy, right? And then the other character, mm-hmm. the antithesis of that is love, right? And uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff we can look into there, but uh, I appreciate Denny putting those little things in here and for us to go back and say, what does joy mean? Does love triumph over joy? Does love, you know, does joy triumph over love? You know, these all these things that you can look into just from the, uh, the names of the characters of that was really a kind of a stroke of genius there that's in the screenplay i'm sure that's not denny himself uh doing that by the way the original screenwriter of blade runner returned for this uh his name is hampton fancher which is a crazy name (laughs) uh he, he basically so they recruited him to come do this or they asked him hey man uh you haven't done anything in a long time a pretty prolific writer for blade runner uh hey you want to come do this? And he's like, fine, I'll do it. He wrote like a 120 page novel of what it is. And was like, please leave me alone forever. <laughs> he's like, this is what I'll do. I'll do it because it's, it's Blade Runner. And you know, I, I'm the one who wrote the screenplay for the original Blade Runner. So he's the only one who really could have should do, do this. But I thought the, the script was really solid with this. Uh, Harrison Ford and Denny have said it's one of the best scripts that they've ever read. I think it was super mm-hmm. strong. I don't think it's the strongest part of this movie, which is saying something. I think the uh, the uh, production design and art direction and and uh, the score are and the cinematography are probably what this is going to be uh, known for, or at least nominated for when it comes to the end of the year. I think this will be a big player in all the technical awards uh, and things like that. So the movie opens with an eye, an eye opening. I was like, okay, we're seeing Avatar again, guys. Great, Denny Villeneuve's Avatar. Uh, when he has to do the actual, uh, the opening uh, of the movie with the scene with Dave Bautista and kind of the intro to Gosling, a uh, little note that that was actually supposed to be the original opening to Blade Runner. The original movie was supposed to be Deckard at that same guy's house, offing him, and so the audience kind of gets a feel of day in the life of a, of a blade runner. Instead, Ridley chose to do the scene of him eating noodles in the street 
you know, the famous shot of Harrison Ford eating the pasta in the busy street as the kind of intro to the, the Deckard character. And so that was cool of Denny to go back and kind of include that original sequence that was actually in the script and storyboarded for the original Blade Runner to put that in here. I thought was really cool, something for the fans. And uh, a lot of people might not know that, but if I could fill you in with that, um, that's really cool. What stuck out to you guys um, as far as plotting, as far as um, uh, the Jared Leto character? Uh, By the way, this won't shock anyone. Jared Leto actually was blind for this movie. The contacts that he wore uh, made him blind. So he experienced life as a blind person for a couple of weeks, months, in order to uh, play a blind man in this. And uh, he becomes the most pretentious man of all time, day by day. Well, or most method man, uh, day by day. So no, you, you had it right. You had it right the first time. So it's about self-identity. It's about what is real, what is manufactured, um, what are the possibilities of technology. Will this line become more blurred and blurred and blurred and blurred the further we get into the future? Obviously, that's the point they're trying to prove here, considering this is 30 years after the original, and uh, the, the line is blurred even more than the original film. Uh, I liked that. And... Uh, there's really one question here, right? With uh, with Jared Leto and and everything is what they want to know is can replicants reproduce? Right? This is something that nobody thought was possible. This changes everything. If in fact a replicant and another replicant can just come together and produce offspring, uh, that that's the goal of of Jared Leto's character, Wallace, I think his name is, is to do that and uh, create more and more replicants. Obviously for his army or war or uh you know to send off world or for whatever reason he had uh this this that's the kind of that's the plot can replicants uh mate so that that that's the mystery here and you know what you really don't know if you don't know who's a replicant and who's human that that's where the line becomes even more blurred so what did you guys think of the the plot uh here uh anyone any one of you three can uh can chime here chime in here let's start with tim let's start with yeah. Tim. oh uh, sure uh the plot well um can't we we talked about earlier about um gosling's character and how he fell in love in the middle i i really enjoyed his development as the movie went on mm-hmm. like in the first act he's killing off batista he's very cold-blooded he even eats a soup after he kills him in the middle part of the movie you mentioned how he, he fell in love and that love story was you know, he fell in love, and then he, he lost love. It was very kind of tragic for him. Mm-hmm. And at the end, he's making probably a very... He's making a choice. He's he's actually making a very human choice. Like, you know, the rebellion replicants want him to make one choice. You know, the evil Jared Leto's company wants to make a third choice. And he actually... A second choice. He makes his own choice at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I don't want to spoil it if you guys don't want to get into that yet. But, like... He makes a choice to, you know, save someone and, and reunite family, which is something very human, very moral. So I, I really enjoyed um, watching Gosling's character throughout the movie. And I, I really enjoyed that part. And um, I, I thought that was probably one of the highlights for me. Oh, that's definitely uh, there's definitely a progression with Gosling. There's growth with that character. He's discovering himself. He's discovering his world. He's discovering his meaning. And for that to accomplish uh, such a such a deep emotional performance from him and genuine performance, um, 
I was I was pleasantly surprised with with Ryan Gosling in this movie. I'm I trying to great. tell you, man, he's, he's the best. He's super good. I mean, gosh, this guy is the, he's the coolest guy out there. I, like if if I could go just hang out and drink uh, some whiskey with somebody, like he might be the first person I'd call uh, today. You know, uh, that changes every couple months. I realize, but uh, right now, man, he's awesome. Uh, Did he play says, J. Daniel Atlas? I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how does this cross over with the eye? We don't know. Um, we Denny said that uh, he's the only choice he ever had for this. That the, the screenplay was written with Gosling in mind as the character, and that's that's uh, kind of how I see this too. I don't I don't picture anyone else in that in that role fitting that role. That kind of cold bloodedness mixed with that um, heartthrob kind of emotional guy. I don't know if many actors can do that and pull that off with such grace, but uh, man, talk about a tall task and and being the lead in Blade Runner too. You know, I mean that that is I can't imagine that as an actor having to having to deal with that pressure. But he he's the best. He was man. awesome. I've been riding that train for a long time, and it's I, every time every time he has a movie, I just walk away saying that's that's my guy. That's that's my favorite actor right there. It's just he's so rangy and so um fun to watch on screen even when he's in a super serious role and uh and he's a dreamboat obviously and so it's just man he's he's got the whole package he's incredible ah he is and this was a, an ambiguous character for him to play it's a, mm-hmm. no one really knows what this guy is in fact we us as an audience are finding out who and what he is just as he has he is and so we don't know whether to sympathize with this guy as a Blade Runner, as somebody who is, you know, in in the side of the authority, or somebody who should be running from the authorities. Uh, but they did a great job of uh, of straddling that medium. Uh, so we find out that there's a skeleton uh, in Sapporo's farm. Sapporo was Dave Bautista. They find the skeleton. Oh my gosh, this is a replicant skeleton. Oh my gosh, this person was pregnant. This replicant was pregnant. How could that be possible, right? No, we don't know um, how that could be possible. So it's his job to find out, to find the child, and to kill the child so that Wallace's people don't find out that replicants can reproduce and then create their uh, evil plan uh, to fruition. And I kind of saw this coming from a mile away. And again, we are here in spoilers. Uh, with him finding out that um, the, who who's responsible for the skeleton and uh, the kids and everything, um, I guess that was kind of obvious coming. Uh, mm. Brian, you agree agree with that as far as who yeah. was mm-hmm. that it would be Deckard and uh, Rachel, Deckard and yeah. Rachel, and he would mm-hmm. be and the sister and everything and all that, uh, or mm-hmm. the daughter. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, the twins. Yeah, that's it's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty easy to to see coming just even i mean if for no other reason than like the biblical illusions that they're able to pull off through that and so yeah that was that was a, a that's a good that's that's really is a good way to string this together with the first film and connect those two things um and i yeah i think i think it was pretty obvious that's where we were headed from from the beginning i really liked as well uh the, you know the the unicorn origami from the original is a big player in whether Deckard is a replicant or not, whether it is in fact one. I love the scene 
Uh, of course, of course, Gosling is flashing back to um, his memories, what he thinks are his memories, and this one incident of this toy horse, right? This wooden horse. The scene where he actually goes and finds the wooden horse for real, and the realization mm-hmm. he has that this actually Gosh. happened and wasn't an implanted memory was awesome. I mean, there was no word said, but it was just it had all the weight, all the emotion that you could ever want from that. And uh, was really maybe the climax of uh, the movie for me, as far as from an emotional standpoint. I thought that was a great, delicately shot sequence that uh, that I'll be going back to and watching uh, numerous times. And uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was, and I thought that was, I thought it was a stroke of genius. And then we fast forward, or actually a couple of scenes later, he finds out uh, that who these dream ma- or these memory manufacturers are, and he goes and visits. Uh, Anna Staline, Staline, uh, who's a memory designer, and I thought that sequence of her actually crafting a memory of some kid blowing out his birthday candles right there in that little mm-hmm. hub was really cool. I mean, Denny, awesome. Denny pushed the limits with like this reminded me of like Minority Report as far as what technology is going to be actually like in a couple of decades, right? Like they 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 call mm-hmm. these futurists, these people that actually have a sense of projecting what technology could be. I mean, Minority Report, we can say now, I mean, it nailed what multi-touch technology would be now even. You know, we're using the same gestures that Tom Cruise used on that hologram on our iPhone. And that, was, that wasn't even a technology back then. That was just like, hey, this is going to be a technology in the future. So, uh, I mean, Denny subtly, mind you, very subtly inserted those things into this movie, and it made it all that much more believable. And everything. What did you th- guys think of? We haven't even mentioned the actual scenery, the city, uh, what he st- he did with the actual giant holograms, uh, advertisements, and things. I mean, this movie could have been Brian Gosling driving around the city for three hours, and I would have loved it. I just loved. Uh, he didn't. He didn't take the Blade Runner universe and and make it completely bombastic and over the top. It feels a little bit more scaled down than the original Blade Runner in terms of just how crazy the cities were and everything. Does that, did you guys get that feeling? Maybe it's because most of it's abandoned and Las Vegas was radiation and all that, but it felt a lot more scaled down in terms of the world, how big the actual world is than, uh, in the first one. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it's a movie. Like I said earlier, I'd like to stare and look at for a lot of time. You could probably, pick any frame out of it if we, as we said before about other deacons joints mm-hmm. uh you could pick any frame out of it and put it on your wall uh and it's it's perfect and it, it's uh it's it's great in terms of that and and, and uh some technology remains to be seen but yeah it certainly makes sense and there's logic to it uh, but i thought like my criticism would be while i'm happy to just kind of spend time in this universe or like here's what you know uh, Blade Runner would feel like in 2049. That's cool, but it's like that's also like a clickbait article in a lot of ways. You know, it's like why why does this have to be a three hour film? Uh, but it's I mean certainly interesting in the slow burns there. But there's no I never felt a total payoff on the slow burn. Yeah. Um, and it was such an extended period of time, and while beautiful, uh, narratively it left me wanting a little bit. But it's ex execution wise, it's perfect. I think it's nearly perfect as a as a film. Yeah, and and. I think it just kind of goes back, Richard, to that quote from Denny of he doesn't feel like he's worthy of a payoff. It's not his place 
for there to be a I, for him to pay off Blade Runner, right? Right. Then don't his, make it. Then my, I guess. Yeah. That that's what I that's why I said I feel like this is just Denny just playing around in this universe without any real. We're not wrapping up any loose ends. We're not really capitalizing or, or moving forward on much from the original film. We're just making a Blade Runner movie, and um, I agree. Uh, that's the main criticism of this that people have gotten is it feels like. You're sitting there for three hours waiting for this giant reveal, and the reveal never happens. But again, we go back to the original. The reveal mm-hmm. never happens. It's left open-ended at the end, and that yeah. pisses people off. And I think that's kind of what you have to have here, Brian. Yeah, that, that's my, that would be my counterpoint. Like I totally agree with everything you guys are saying, but for me, it's not. Blade Runner itself was not about the payoff, and I don't need this to be a payoff. And I think there's... I think part of the deal is that he is I think Denny was trying to um, fill 35 years of blank history. You know, like we haven't we haven't revisited this this universe, this franchise in in 35 years. And there's a I don't know. I think there's a gap there just of what we uh, that he has to like kind of table set for a while. And yeah, like I, I get the idea that for a lot of people. Um, he, he set the table for too long for, for me, I personally, I, I love that stuff. And I would, I think I would have been content to remain in that setting, just kind of exploring this universe, almost like a, almost like a video game, almost like an open world video game. Um, as much as I cared about the narrative or the, the main plot points or anything like that, it just, um, I, and, and he's the, I don't think. I don't think most directors could pull that off. I think he's the only, he's one of a few that could make that happen for me personally to where um, I'm totally okay with not really getting anywhere as long as I'm just um, taking in these incredible scenes and the looks and um, exploring what, you know, what he envisions of this, this universe. So like, I, I, yeah. I, I don't feel like that's a, an argument by any means. I just think it's, it's, here's what's being here's what's happening now what's your reaction to that or how do you yeah. feel about the way that that's taking place and that's that's what leads to the you know this the yeah. strangeness of this uh this experience just from a you know our, yeah. our grades and recommendations and all that sort of stuff totally and i'll throw it to tim again here in a second but i i my point would be and i i think the open world video game is perfect that's exactly what i was looking for that's what it felt like to me too and and that's cool but it's like then make that. I, I just feel like as a as a narrative film, it had even less kind of ambition. It's like so. It's homage in a totally different way than Last Jedi or not Last Jedi, uh, Force Awakens is, but in a less, I suppose, uh, upfront way. Um, it's a little more subtextually homage, and it's it's cool and it's awesome. But uh, and I love the. My point also is I lo- no one loves a slow burn more than me, and I I was like okay this is absurd sure. this is like borderline pretentious with some of this, uh, but that being said I love the book. But but Tim did it did it work in terms of like kind of structurally for you? Uh, structurally, as far as the plot and the like the characters that were talking yeah about? yeah were you in the whole time? Uh yeah I would say I was in the whole time. I definitely noticed the slow pace, and I actually like. The plot actually kind of worked for me. I mean, I, mm. I think it kind of built on the like it didn't build too much on the original. The others multiple homages. It was definitely homages. I, I counted like at least ten just clicking through my head. 
And again, like you guys talked about in your throwback episode, they talked about the cast system and, you know, now there's even a a lower form of, you know, holograms. Mm -hmm. So now like the replicants even look down and like, you know, talk badly to holograms. So they kind of build on that. But as far as the plot plot goes, I I, I think it kind of worked for me with Jared Leto Mm -hmm. being like the new villain. And now there's a new twist with, you know, the the reproduction of the the replicants. And I, I think... The plot did work, but it, it definitely was a module, like you mentioned, Richard. Yeah, I I agree too. I, I loved how they the nexuses are all advancing now. So Deckard yeah. would be a Nexus Seven. Uh, Bautista's character would be a Nexus Eight, uh, who are capable of of aging at this point. And and Kay's character apparently is a Nexus Nine, which is kind of the next evolution. The the line is is forever blurred between whether they're human. Or uh, or uh, or a replicant. So, um, all that to say, uh, another quote I can pull here from Denny. I'm going to go over, but um, I think you can take the Deckard open endedness of is Deckard a replicant or is he not, and address it in the film without resolving it. And I think that's what they yes, did here. They, they acknowledge yeah. that 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 they acknowledge that that was. A, a a a hole or whatever that that was the main thing we need to figure out is okay if Harrison Ford's a replicant that means a replicant and a replicant mated to make a, a person but if Harrison Ford is a human then a human and replicant mated and that's not we're not that's fine that, that that's what's supposed to happen right mm-hmm. um so it does have that mystery and here's another quote from Denny on his concern with the film says quote the thing I must say is that I love mystery. I love shadows. I love doubts. I just want to say to the fans that we'll take care of the mystery. We will address it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he loves the fact that it's open ended, and he's not trying right. to. He's not trying to do to solve anything. I guess. Yeah, and that I greatly appreciate that because if you remember, that's always been my main complaint about like when they this was announced. I was like, I don't want this because I do not want that answered. I don't want to know. Um, for sure, whether or not Deckard is a replicant, because that completely that fundamentally alters the original film. And you get this and and he does a, a fantastic job a of not really asking that question, which I, I think was smart, because I think if you bring that further to uh, the spotlight, the you know, the, the whole start to show. And so you, you can't really do that. But also adding in these little bits here and there, these little hints or these little pieces of dialogue that continue to just allow you to think whatever you thought coming into this movie, where do you think uh, Deckard is a replicant or he's not a replicant? You can walk out of the theater saying, I'm right. It's still this, you know, or you can walk out saying, I don't know. I'm not sure how it's going to be. And that, um, I, I think that was a, I needed that to happen for this movie to be something that I could get behind. I think just, as a huge fan of the original film, I needed to be able to to come out with the same um, sense and the same feeling that I did from the original. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you guys are right. Like, I thought it uh, see, I thought the movie was fairly clear in saying Deckard was a human because the child between him and his replicant, uh, Rachel, was kind of, you know, sickly, which is kind of like when you mix a human and a replicant, you're going to get like sick offspring. So. Mm-hmm. I, well, you know, there's always an ambiguity, but that's kind of the impression. I mean, it could be, but it could be also the opposite of that, which is replicants can mate, which we, uh, you know, and if they can, then 
I, I mean, it's either way. You can you yeah, can make an argument, but even though even though Ridley said he's a replicant, <laughs> he said that, and Harrison Ford says, "No, I'm not." Yeah, who's mm-hmm. right here? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think anyone knows, and I think the next Blade Runner film is probably going to add the same thing, and we still don't know who's a replicant and who isn't. But uh, again, that, that these create these conversations that we're having now and these debates, and I th- I love that about this. Uh, I want to have some time here to go over some Easter eggs and homages to the original Blade Runner. Uh, I think these are are pretty fun. Uh, So there was an homage, or there was a reference to Coke. There's a new Coca-Cola ad here that was in the original. Uh, Atari is still highly visible in this. And uh, there's also a Pan Am sign, which were the three kind of main advertisements that people remember from Blade Runner. So they worked those into here. Um, The post-trauma baseline test that Kay has to go through after after the incident with Bautista um, or Batista, I should say uh, for my WWE universe out there uh, the the quote comes from Pale Fire by Vlad Nabokov uh, that is the actual book that um, Joy holds up in their yeah. house and my the, favorite books and favorite. the quote is cells interlinked within cells interlinked within one storm and dreadfully distinct Against the dark, a tall white fountain played. Uh, I don't know what that particularly means in terms of the context of this, but that is the uh, that's where that line comes from. That's where the reference comes from, as well. Uh, actually, when you get to Vegas, and by the way, I love. I mean, when Kay or Ryan Gosling gets to Vegas on the car and he's walking in, and he's walking around all those giant statues of the women with the heel high heels and everything. Mm-hmm. I thought that was just give give Deacons the Oscar right now. I mean, that was just yeah. unbelievably uh, envisioned and everything. And I thought that was mm-hmm. great. I loved the the Vegas hologram Elvis show. I loved the Vegas. I mean, the Frank Sinatra jukebox with the hologram. I mean, there's I can go on and on and on about just the little stuff that I thought was great here. But um, overall, that whole sequence of Vegas and the coloring and the orangeness uh, was inspired by Roger Deacons. Uh, going to Sydney, and there was some kind of a dust storm there. Um, and uh, he said he saw the Opera House in Sydney after a dust storm, and it had that, uh, it was a, just a giant structure with this hue of orange, and it was extremely inspirational to him as far as the look of this. And the piano that's in Deckard's house, hotel, wherever he's staying, is a Beckstein piano. Uh, that's an Easter egg because there's a poster for Beckstein. <clears throat> That's from like the 1940s or something like that with the piano, and it's like in the exact same city as this movie, the same colors and everything. It's really eerie if you look at it. I'm not sure if they took inspiration for that from that poster for the look of it that uh, that world, but that's worth looking up and kind of a really cool kind of uh, Easter egg that they threw in there. Uh, there's also rumors that this universe and the alien universe could cross over at some point. They're laying the groundwork for that. They're both Ridley Scott creations. Uh, there's a scene where he's walking through a hallway and the, the other versions of the Nexus uh, androids are shown there. And one of them is eerily rem- reminiscent of an engineer from Prometheus. So, uh, and also in aliens, I think there's, or alien, yeah, aliens, there's something about the fact that Wayland knows Tyrell from Blade Runner mm-hmm. or, or, or looked up to him yeah. growing up or something like that. So Yeah, these two are that? connected through that, for yeah. sure. But whether that will turn into like, you know, 
a spinoff or a crossover or whatever. I, I don't know. But these, yeah, these worlds are connected. That and uh, that's kind of all I got for Easter eggs. Let me see here. Um, I like the binary code where he's looking through the DNA and he's, you know, uh, the the newer versions have three lines. of It's not just ones and zeros. It's like three letters. Uh, that was cool. Um, the actual trash San Diego, where it was entirely a dumpster city, idiocracy style. I thought that was really well shot. And I guess I'm just looking at my notes here. Um, okay, here's another open-ended question. Uh, besides the fact that Deckard could or couldn't be a replicant, we still don't know, does K die at the end? What do you guys think? I guess the assumption is he does. Yeah, he no, kind of lays I, on yeah, the steps and no, it's snowing and all that. Does. But uh, yeah, if, he does, he's yeah. a, if he's um, a replicant, can't he just – can't he live? And won't, won't he age like they all, all, the, all the other replicants do? And will he, we see him again? I guess maybe they left that open-ended on purpose for this exact same – for the exact same reason they left uh, Deckard open in the original Blade Runner. And also another – go ahead. Oh, I think it kind of dies like uh, Roy dies in the first one. I think it's kind of a similar scene. Yeah, that's same what here. they're trying to get at. Yep. Yeah. And also, um, Edward James almost in this movie re- reprising his role uh, and uh, as the person who creates the little uh, trinket or implants the memories, right? And he does mm-hmm. so here with an origami sheep, of course, referencing Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? which was the source material by Philip K. Dick that Blade Runner was based on. So that's all I have in terms of that. Uh, I liked also where they, where they had to go jog back all the memories of the replicants. And they, she says something like, it's a good thing our boss is a data hoarder or something like that. We remember he has to go back and actually look up, uh, mm-hmm. look up all that stuff. I thought that was cool too. Okay, we've talked almost an hour about this. And I want to get y'all's closing thoughts, overall overarching thoughts on on Blade Runner, where where this could go. Uh, Brian, we'll start with you. Wrap it up. Yeah, um, I don't know. I I like that this could be the last Blade Runner movie, or it could be the beginning of a new franchise. And I I like that. I think that's kind of open, and that signifies. I think that well, I mean, that fits very well with uh, with this little franchise here. And so, I don't know. I don't know where we're. I don't know where we're headed. And and I'm not great at speculating on all that stuff. But um, if this does well overseas, I could definitely see them coming back with uh, with a further look at the franchise somewhere down the line. Um, but it would be fine too if this was it. If this was the end of the this series or the last one for another 35 years you know either way i think um it's it's kind of it's it's open to what you want to do with it good to see barkot abdi back from captain phillips remember him mm-hmm. yeah barkot abdi still getting work in blade runner uh also another note uh david bowie was going to be the jerry leto character but of course he passed away so that's what that would have been had had david bowie still went around he would have been the uh Wallace character, which would have been two musical, awesome. yeah, two musical visionaries, you know, playing the same role. Thirty <laughs> seconds to Mars and Ziggy Stardust. I like, mean, yeah, which what's one, the difference, really? Yeah, what's the difference? What, they'll both be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, absolutely. In, in the end, I mean, that makes them equal, right? Okay. Well, uh, Richard, overarching thoughts. 
yeah, good film, uh, perfectly uh, well executed. A little, uh, I don't know, not dry narratively, but a little. I thought a little lazy narratively, um, but uh, but but definitely cool. One I'll, I'll definitely rewatch and try to draw some more out of. But uh, but not not a, a raging disappointment like flop, but just kind of a little bit disappointing. I, I'd really hyped this up all year in my brain, and and that's that's my fault. But. Uh, but yeah, no, cool, cool, cool movie, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what uh, what what does Denny have coming up next? Mm, I'm not he's sure. Got, there's another sequel or remake or something. I can't remember. I think it was Dune. Dune. Oh yeah, Dune. Yeah, there you go. I'm, and oh, that, is he doing Dune? Really? It's right, right now. Right now, he has nothing announced on his yeah. on his IMDb. It, it was Dune project. that I was. You know, that's and he to for me, he's the guy to do Dune. Dune is. Maybe unfilmable, but if anybody's going to pull it off, I, for me, I, I think I, I want to see him take a shot at that. That would be awesome. Have y'all ever read Dune? That's like, gosh. No, no but I was, I was, Oof, man. No, I, I haven't, I haven't read it, but I know the original no, movie was supposed to be 14 hours long. <laughs> um, yeah. So maybe he, if it is unfilmable, he'll, he should be the one to do it. I think this guy is, I think Denny is just unbelievable. I love this guy and I, I'll see anything he does. I mean, his last movies were Prisoners, Enemy, Sicario, Arrival, and this. I mean, good God. And that's in the past. That's since 2013. That's four years that he's done all those awesome films. And I'm, I'm, he, he's the new Alfonso Cuaron to me. He takes that spot of, um, of those kind of intellectually uh, stimulating science fiction, blur the line of what is science fiction type of movies like he did with Gravity. I'm excited to see where Denny goes from here, of course. Tim, what are your overarching thoughts and overall thoughts on on Blade Runner before we wrap it up here? Sure, my overall thoughts. I mean, I, I, I thought it was really good. I also enjoyed the director like you guys. I, I think it could do a sequel if it wanted to. If not, that's fine, too. With him, like, I noticed a lot of his movies have twists, uh, you know, rival prisoners. They all kind of have a little twist. And I was, I was looking for the twist here, and he... I was kind of angry, to be honest, at the beginning, because it seemed so heavy handed that they were going to show that, you know, Gosling was the child. And I got I kind of got upset. I'm like, wait, this is way too obvious of a twist. And then, you know, they did the, you know, the M. Night Shyamalan double twist. And it's actually Mm -hmm. the girl. Yeah. Which I really appreciated. Very kind of like Dark Knight Rises, Bane versus Talia Ghul. And, you know, when they in the little details he does, too, like, for example, in the flashbacks, the the little boy that throw, or the little girl that uh, hides the 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 horse the wooden horse has hair and all the boys are like shaved head so like mm-hmm. the, he he kind of just and when she's looking at the memory she's very just like very yeah. non-committal with her, her answer she's like you know yes this is a memory someone has lived this like i i, I just i really appreciated the twist and i, I really appreciated the con- connection between her and uh, harrison ford at the end so I, I just really enjoy this director and i'm looking forward to his uh, future projects by the by the way, the ability to bring back Rachel, that might be the best I've ever seen them bring back a character oh, yeah. in a movie. It was identical to the original. I don't know what they did there, if it was makeup or CG or what, but that was that was eerie seeing that again. And uh her especially next to an aging Deckard was a quite a quite a cool thing to see. Um so let's hit grades here. I'm gonna give Blade Runner an A. I thought this was a solid, I'll see it again. I might go into theater. I want to see this in 3D if I can before it's out because uh, this this seems to be one again. I'm just experiencing the atmosphere and just just along for the ride. Now that I know what it is, I think I'll enjoy it 
again uh, a lot more the second time now that I'm not looking for answers every around every corner. Mm. So A for me, and I would give the uh, cinematography award to Roger Deakins today. If yes, he was please. nominated. Uh, I haven't seen the rest of the movies this year. I, mean, I don't know. Dunkirk might have something to do with that yeah. uh, as far as what, what's been great this year in terms of that. But uh, I, I just, he makes all the difference. I mean, he turns an ordinary movie, an ordinary scene into extraordinary. And the poster for, for this is great too, we should say. Poster game is uh, something that a lot of people don't care about anymore, studios especially, and the Blade Runner 2049, 2049 poster is great. And the whole, everything about this I liked. So, solid A for me. Not an A+. plus. Didn't blow me away in terms of uh, plotting. I think that's probably where it it, it misses that plus, is, is, is was too, maybe a little bit too slow of a burn for a lot of people. But for me, it's an A. Brian? Uh, it's an A plus for me. I, little, there's a dip in the, you know, 20 minutes or so at some point, but other than that, uh, I I love the slow burn aspect of it. I love the world building. Um, I love the gauze, and I the the plotting and the narrative um, are certainly backstories to uh, the universe and the world and whatnot. But I to me that they weren't. It wasn't necessarily a negative so much as it was just a little bit lesser than what uh, what we were taking in in visually, especially. And so, uh, but yeah, a plus for me, and that's going to be. That's top. I mean, that's that's top five, top ten of the year uh, in my book, uh, and I'm 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 stoked about that. So, uh, Richard, how about you? Yeah, I'm gonna give it an A minus. Uh, great movie, uh, really enjoyable in a lot of ways, but a uh, little little divot off the end. Not quite. Uh, sure. Not quite what I expected, but 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 good nonetheless. And and uh, and Gosling continue continues a uh, a great run, and it's someone that can you know do a a a jazz musical and and make 200 million dollars and do a sci-fi movie that's thoughtful and doesn't you know that's a good that's a sign of a really interesting actor that's willing to take uh risks in different ways so so an a minus for me tim what about you my friend i'm also going a minus i think it's fantastic for all the the reasons i mentioned i'm just going to go to a minus because of you know the length the uh the slow pace and i've always had an issue with the uh deckard rachel romance i always considered a little bit one-sided you know, more Deckard was into her than she was into him. So that, that always kind of bothered me, too. So I'm going to go A-minus. Okay. Wow. Solid round of A's for everybody, um, pretty much. And this is this is one that we'll have to talk about later in the year, I'm sure. So without further ado, let's move on and hit a recommend. Weekly Recommends. We will let the guest go first here. Tim, what's your recommend? Okay, I'm going to recommend a app. Um, it is called the Run P app. It's for uh, movie lovers like all of us. And uh, basically the general premise of the app is it gives you alerts while you're in the movie at a movie theater of when's a good time to use the restroom. So you go and you <laughs> kind of use the restroom. there. It'll give you a little synopsis of what you missed. Uh, it'll tell you if there's a post credit scene, you know, like for a Marvel movie. If you're running late, it'll tell you what you missed, like in the first five minutes. So uh, I've used it many times, especially for a movie as long as this one. It's called Run P. Run P. Oh, okay. Yeah, Run P. So uh, it's it's a great app, and I use it all the time. So there's there's that. one um there's one similar to that that I think I've recommended before called After Credits, and all okay. it shows you is it tells you whether there's a scene after the credits that you need to stick around for. 
awesome, nice. awesome app. I, I open it at every movie, at the end of every movie, to see if I should sit there for 10 minutes. And, and it has a little rating, too, because you can vote on whether it's worth it to stick around or not. So some of them nice. do have post-credit scenes, and it'll say, like, 20%, say, say see it. So I'm like, screw this, I'm out. You know, it, it's a really good time-saving um, time saving app, but that's cool. Run P, good, good recommend. Uh, Brian, yeah, I'm gonna recommend a book, and I don't, uh, I don't usually do this. I don't usually recommend something I haven't read yet, but I'm holding a copy of Basketball and Other Things by Shea Serrano right now, and I'm in love with the illustrations and the questions that he's asking. I'm a huge Shea fan. I know Richard is as well. Um, he wrote the rap year book last year or the year before. I can't remember, but it was it's fantastic. It's also worth picking up. Uh, so if you're I think this is going to be one where um, even if you're not a big basketball fan, there's going to be he's such a um, an interesting and funny writer. He's very all of his bits are really humorous and stuff. I think it's going to be worth picking up even if you're not a big basketball fan. And the illustrations are just incredible. So I'm looking forward to, to plowing through that this week. And I will I think I'm going to do some kind of a giveaway involving a copy of this because I bought many copies. And so uh, I want to <laughs> I want to pass one oh, or two of those one, on to the listeners. I, I'll bring when I get them all in. I may bring you one as I well. I will buy one for you. Uh, I'd love to. Sh- if you don't follow Shea Serrano on uh, on Twitter, that's that's a great follow too, and he's done so many um, different. Uh, it's kind of branding in a way, but he does a lot of different giveaways and bids and stuff like that to try to get people to buy the book, and it's worked really well. And so I bought multiple copies different times just based on like today he was giving away a bookmark to people that bought it from this specific store, and so I went ahead and bought another copy and things like that. And so anyway, one of them will do uh, some kind of a giveaway uh, through the show. I've and, got an uh, extra coming too. Sweet. Awesome. So, well, we'll, we'll be able to do some, some fun stuff with that. And uh, but go out, go out and buy it anyway, and uh, and and give it a shot because it's man, it's it looks fantastic. I've read two chapters just real quick, and they were they were really a lot of fun. And get wrap your book too because that's that's awesome. fantastic as well. So, Richard, yeah, how about my, you, man? That's my recommend too. So I was just gonna put double that. Down. We'll do. We'll double down on that. That's uh, that's good stuff. All right, Kento, did you give a recommend? I yeah, can't remember. I'm no, gonna, you're I'm going to recommend um, a show on Netflix. This uh, maybe hits home for you guys. Uh, have you seen Big that Mouth? The one with the, the discs in the mail? Netflix? Mm-hmm. D- yeah. Discs okay. in the mail. That is. It's the same service. <laughs> yeah. I only use the discs, actually. Yeah, no, I've heard something about something else, but I only use the... Yeah. Only DVDs, just, too. Just I, got DVD, two of Master of None and really mm, like not, it. Not, not, not totally in on uh, on Blu-rays yes, yet, so I'm only DVDs. I'm, yeah. Right, yeah. We've got a, friend, a listener, a friend of mine named Brian uh, Simpson, who... He's the only person I know who still uses the uh, the mail-in disc Let's, Netflix service. Sarah's parents, incredible. same thing. It's incredible. It's awesome. Anyway, uh, sorry, I'm going to recommend an uh, animated show, Netflix original, called Big Mouth, and it's executive produced and starring John Mulaney, who we all uh, love yeah. on the show. And uh, it's Nick Kroll and him and Jason Mantzoukas and Fred Armisen and some really funny people involved. It's basically about kids going through puberty i know that's a weird thing for an animated show but it's about that really weird awkward phase in life where uh you're still a kid but you're having all these still going through that Mm -hmm. and uh yeah we're all still currently as you can tell if you've listened to the show (laughs) we're we're not quite there yet um but it's a funny show it's extremely inappropriate i will say that off the top don't watch it with your kids um don't watch it with your parents anything like that uh but it is funny and it is original and it's animated and it's BoJack Horseman, but with 
kids and starring John Mulaney. It's it's super funny. I think you guys will enjoy it. Um, but again, very inappropriate. But it gets my recommend. I watched the whole season in like three days, something like that. Super easy to watch, funny, and um, and good stuff. Netflix just continues to kick butt. All right. Man, good times tonight. Thank you, Tim, so much for joining us. You've been awesome. And um, you're welcome back. Of course, where can we find you online, Tim, if uh, the, the listener wants to follow you? Uh, sure, you can follow me at all social media at uh, Tim B. Fisher. Tim B. Fisher. Tim B. Fisher. Uh, Brian, what about you? You can find me on the Twitter, Beagle12. You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and the Madabout Movies Podcast newsletter, which will be out, I think, tomorrow. So check that out. Richard, how about you? You can find me on all social media at Richard Bard, the Mad About Movies podcast newsletter, which, yes, will be out tomorrow or today as you're hearing this if you're a day one listener. And Kent, where can I find you? Find us online and me at Kent Garrison on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, KentGarrison.com, and uh, MadAboutMoviesPodcast.com. If you like what you hear and you want to hear more bonus episodes and things like that, subscribe to the VIP feed over on our website. For as little as a dollar a week, we're going to be giving you some fun bonus content, a Close Encounters of the third kind yeah. episode this week. Um, maybe a, a conversation regarding Steven Spielberg and the new documentary on him that just came out from HBO. We'll be talking mm. about that and some other fun, great stuff over on that feed. So if you do like yeah. that and you want to support the show and support yourself and, and uh, do all that a uh, dollar mm. a week uh, VIP club. So until next time, uh, we will talk to you guys soon and uh, we'll see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya Silence and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. <laughs> <laughs>